actually is an amazing song filled with truth. Christ is mine forevermore. That's the gospel. That's our only hope of salvation. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 7 through 14 this morning. For Thanksgiving, I thought that I would give you something to be thankful for. We're covering eight verses today. Okay, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. No cheering, okay, that offends me. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <clears throat> eight verses. Follow along with me as we begin in verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The Bible is full of picturesque language. Illustrations, metaphors, analogies, word pictures, all masterfully employed to shine light on particular truths. Now, it has been rightly noted that even the best of these illustrations, even these illustrations employed by the biblical writers, break down at some point. That the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed does not mean that the kingdom of God is small. That the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field does not mean that you need to go buy a field and dig around in the dirt until you find it. Mustard seeds and hidden treasures are like God's kingdom, but they are not exactly the same. They share some qualities, but not all qualities. The mustard seed parable conveys the truth that God's kingdom should not be evaluated by its nearly invisible, tiny human origins. Just as a mustard seed, the smallest seed in that region where Jesus ministered, grows into one of the largest of garden plants, so also the kingdom of God will grow to reach a height beyond what anyone would have first imagined. All this to say that illustrations, though extremely helpful, needed, are not to be pushed beyond their intended purposes. That is, they are not to be pushed beyond what they are being used to teach. Now, while this is certainly true, I want you to see that as we look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 7 through 14, that the illustration being employed, the light and the darkness, is an illustration that is quite unique. For example, you will note that Paul does not say that unbelievers are like the darkness, And nor does he say that believers are like the light, but rather he writes that the children of this world are darkness, and the children of the next, of God's kingdom, they are light. At one time, Paul writes, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Darkness is who you were, and light is now who you now are. In other words, these Concepts are special 
in their didactic or teaching ability to shine light onto our state both before and after knowing Christ. They are special in their ability to teach the truth in relation to what it means to walk in the light. This being the case, it's no surprise that the biblical authors employed these kinds of illustrations all throughout the scriptures. Just a few to begin with. In Colossians 1.14, Paul writes, I give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, who rescued us from the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You once were in the darkness, you were in that dark kingdom, you have been transferred into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son. Your inheritance as the children of light is in the light, meaning your inheritance is perfect in knowledge, in holiness, in joy, in fellowship with the Father of lights. He is light. You will have fellowship with him. James 1.6 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. He is the Father of lights. In him there is no darkness. 1 John 1.5 And this is the message that we have heard from him, from Christ, and declare to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. We can describe God as pure light. Thus, having been born again into the Father's kingdom, through the death and resurrection of the Father's Son, the Son of light, we are now called children of light. This is what we are. So Paul has this as a theological foundation as he begins to write to the Ephesians and explaining to them how they are to walk. He says, you are to walk in the light. And the question is, what does this look like? What does light act like? What does it do? And this morning we're going to find five actions, five descriptions of the children of light. This is how light walks. The first is this, light rejects darkness. Light rejects the darkness. Ephesians 5, 7. Therefore, Paul begins, do not become partners with them. Or if you jump down to verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Light has no partnership, no fellowship in the darkness. Now, if you look at the verse, at the very beginning, he begins with the word, therefore which means we are to look back to see what that word is there for. And as we look back, we come to verse 6 of Ephesians 5, and it says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, in light of this, God's wrath coming on the sons of darkness, therefore do not become partners with them. Verse 7 is a prohibition based upon the warning of verse 6. This is a warning... As they walk in darkness, know God's wrath is coming upon them. Therefore, do not join with them. You know their fate. It's just logical. Believers don't participate in their behavior. Now, clarity often comes when we make it clear what something is not saying. 
And so we're going to talk about what this is not saying. Therefore, do not become partners with them is not saying that believers who are the light are never to interact with unbelievers who are the darkness. That we are not to participate in their sinful behavior does not mean that we have no relationship with them. Paul addresses this to the Corinthians. You can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 in dealing with a church discipline case of a gross nature. Paul offers some clarification. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral, with sexually immoral people. But then he clarifies, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy, or swindlers, or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. Paul is writing, and he's saying, listen, when you have someone who is professing to be in the light, who continues to walk in the darkness, they will not repent. Do not associate with them. Distance yourself with them. There needs to be no confusion as to what the light and the darkness is. Avoid all familiarity with this professing brother who consists to continue in sin. He needs to clearly see his state before the Lord. And also, the name of the Lord should not be put to shame. Such such mere professors disgrace the Christian name. Those who would call themselves brothers in Christ and yet still walk in the darkness are showing that they are not of the light. And they need to understand this. One commentator writes, These people are only fit companions for the brothers of iniquity. And to such company they should be left until they mend their ways and their doings. And so, Paul says don't associate with these type of professing believers. And yet, quickly, he offers this clarification. This does not mean that you avoid those of the world who are guilty of such things. Listen, this brother is around the light. He has the light. He knows the light. He's been taught the light. Unbelievers have not. It's not that you would separate from them. Don't share in the deeds of darkness does not mean that you don't ever share a meal or a conversation with them. How will those lost in darkness ever come out of the darkness if no one ever shines the light? The Lord spoke these words in Matthew 5. He's addressing this same situation. Evangelistic words. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way. Just like this. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That is a situation of a believer in close proximity with an unbeliever. The unbeliever may be continuing in his works of darkness, but the believer will not, will not participate in that, which begins to shine light. And then the unbeliever sees the light, The gospel light shines on him, he comes to the light, and now he joins in that light by giving glory to the Father. You might ask this, though, if no unbeliever ever notices your light, then perhaps you are not truly the light. 
in a dark world, light is noticeable. If you are hanging out with unbelievers and there's no distinction, there's nothing, no light, no darkness, it just seems all dark, then you need to examine your heart. Lights shine. Jesus says in John 17, 15, stressing the same truth, I do not ask, this is actually a prayer, high priestly prayer, he prays to the Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. Father, I'm not asking that you take them from the world of darkness, rather that you keep them from the darkness so that while in the darkness they are allowed to shine the light so that more may come to know you. This is why they are still here. So while light does reject the deeds of darkness, it does not reject the people lost in darkness. We do not walk like them, but we do walk amongst them. Jesus sets the example. He was no friend of sin, but he was a friend of sinners. And what is a friend? A friend is someone who will lay down their life for you. A friend is someone who will tell you the truth. He was a true friend. His light shone. John eight twelve. then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. How can you know that you are following Christ? Your light shines in the darkness. Or take 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Our light shines. And as it does, it rejects the darkness. So then we must not imagine that in order to shine in the darkness, we must put out our light. Quite the contrary. We shine. And as we shine, we bear good fruit. This is what they see. And so as our second heading, we have light bears fruit. Verses 8 and 9. Paul writes, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Every form of goodness, of rightness, and of truth, this is the fruit. Paul says, once you were like a dead tree. And the reason you were dead is because you were in the darkness. A tree left in the darkness will bear no fruit because it is dead. But now the light has shone upon you. Christ's light has risen, has shined upon you. And as a result, you have come alive. And that life is manifesting itself through the branches dropping fruit. What is that fruit? All that is good, right, and true. The fruit is simply the product of something. So this is the product of the light. Goodness. What is good? Well, within this word is the idea of generosity. To be good, to have good fruit, is to have a generous spirit, which longs to share what is good in order that it might bless those who partake of it. Now, what good thing do we have to share? Well, of course, the best thing we have to share is this. As we partake of this and fruit of this comes, we long to share God's word with the world, with anyone who might partake of it. This is a fruit. 
another fruit, all that is right, every form of rightness. Actually, in the Greek of righteousness, hence the LSB's translation for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Righteousness can have various different meanings depending on the context, but this is not a reference to our righteous standing before the Lord. This is not a justification verse, this is a sanctification verse. Therefore, what he has in mind is a fruit of righteousness, that is righteous actions or good works. You've been recreated in Christ Jesus for good works so that you may walk in them. And then last, light also produces what is true or truth. The light produces lifestyles that are based upon the truth. Once we built our life on falsehoods, but now it has been founded on the truth. And from that foundation grows true products. It shines in the falsehoods. Light always gives birth to fruit. And yet we must not imagine ourselves as a tree or a plant which just simply bears its fruit passively. Yes, the light shines on us and we grow, but having been justified apart from works, we now have been put in a position to work. And so the very next verse gives us another good work that we should be partaking in. This is a constant activity of the believer. The third action, light discerns good. It discerns what is good. Paul says, and try, have this as your aim. To discern what is pleasing to the Lord. In a perfect world, a world full of light, there is no need for this. One day we will not need discernment. Because God's light will always shine. There will be no darkness and thus no need for discernment. But in our current world, there is much need of discernment. For we the light are surrounded by darkness and we the light are not yet fully glorified and thus our flesh can still be tempted by the darkness. We don't have perfect minds, perfect desires. We need discernment. The light here represents one's knowledge of the word. And as you have knowledge of the word, you are not ignorant. Therefore, you can see the difference between good and evil. So then, when an unbeliever can't see the difference, know this, they have incorrect knowledge. As you're evangelizing them and you put something that is perfect before them and they don't see it as perfect or good, know this, they are ignorant. They are in the darkness. Someone might say to me, for example, I I just don't get what everybody loves about Lubbock, Texas. That doesn't tell me anything about Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock is good, but they are ignorant, <laughs> lost in the darkness. Or take A&M fans, for example. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I've got one Lubbock guy over here. I'm good. Just need one. The point is that when we have the light of God's word, it helps us to discern rightly. We are no longer ignorant when we have this. We can see the difference between good and evil. We know what is good. We can proclaim what is good. And we also know what is evil. They walk in darkness because they are ignorant. 
in one sense, they have no choice. And they choose wrongly. But we have the light. We have no excuse. When an unbeliever trips over something in the darkness, you can know this, they didn't see it. And then when they continue to trip over it, you can know this, they still don't see it. But when a believer trips over that something, know this, they've put their light aside. They should be able to see it. They might even be purposely tripping over it. Darkness is ignorance. Light is understanding. It's knowledge. We have no excuse. When Jesus Christ came into the world, he was rejected. Is it because they were ignorant? John 3.19, and this is the judgment, the light, that is Jesus has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil, they were ignorant of who Christ was. But we are no longer ignorant. You see, when they are in the darkness, they do so because they are in ignorance. They are blind. But in our case, it is di- different. Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, Paul says, In their case, in the case of an unbeliever, the God of this world has blinded, that is Satan, blinded their minds to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. They are blind. Who is the image of God? For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Why can you see? Because God penetrated what is dark by shining into your heart the light of the gospel, and now your eyes have been opened and you see clearly. And you're able to discern. We're no longer ignorant. This means that if we walk in darkness, it is to our shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, Paul says, Wake up from your drunken stupor. If you're a believer, you should not walk around as drunk. As is right, he says, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. You have knowledge. You have no excuse. You are in the light, thus you ought to be able to discern what is good in order that you might walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. No longer are we like unbelievers who are walking in our former lust, in our ignorance. Now we are called to be holy. We desire to be holy because God himself is holy. Paul confirms this one chapter earlier, Ephesians 4.17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. You must no longer walk as Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. They have no ability to discern. So we pity them. We pity them. And we love them by shining the light. They are darkened in their understanding. But we have been illuminated. And our understanding has been illuminated. We no longer have to trip over the schemes of the devil. We no longer have to foolishly follow after the lust of our own hearts. We have understanding of what is good, and therefore we can choose what is good. We're able to discern 
the difference. That is, we're able to make a critical examination of whatever it is that we're looking at in order to draw a right conclusion that we might choose rightly. So the light is constantly examining and testing in order that it might choose and discover what is most pleasing to the Lord. That is the question that we always take with us. Throughout the day, we're asking, is this pleasing to the Lord? And we have our Bibles here at church, and the light is shining as God's Word is open. But there may be some who take this Bible and close it, put it on their nightstand, never open it, and they're wondering, why do they keep tripping? It's because this Bible was meant to go with you everywhere. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, and that means everywhere you are. What should I say at work? How should I respond to this? How should I talk to this person? What should I allow in my home and not allow to my home? You're shining the light, and it's becoming obvious. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1 says, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers in the darkness. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Constantly asking, what is most pleasing to the Lord? And how does he know that answer? He's thinking. He takes the word and he thinks about it. What is most pleasing? We might put it this way. How blessed is the man who walks not in the darkness, but whose delight is in the light. And on that light, he meditates day and night that he might always walk in the light because he loves it. Psalm 119, 35. If you want an example of what this kind of person looks like, just read Psalm 119. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Psalm 119, 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the negative positively you would say, that I might please you. Job 23, 12, I have not departed from your commandments. I have treasured your words more than my portion of food. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found, and I ate them, consumed them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Now, this is what it seems like to the unbeliever. I didn't have your words, and now I've found them, and as I've seen them as good, I've taken them and consumed them and thought about them and ate them. And you know what I found? Joy, delight, called by your name. The children of light are constantly meditating on the light that they might please the Father of lights. This is the question that is constantly on their mind. What is most pleasing to God? If you're having trouble discerning that, maybe not even thinking about that, it, it might be that there's a different question that you're concerned with. Not what's most pleasing to God, but what's most pleasing to me? This is the dark question that the whole world takes around with him. Perhaps this is the dark question that you are living your life by. What's most pleasing to me? And you know, that's pretty easy to answer. Just follow your desires. But for the Christian, what have we done? Christ called us. What's that call? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself means deny your selfish desires. The question you are asking is much different. What is most pleasing to you? And you know what you will find? What is most pleasing to him 
is actually most pleasing to you. But you must approach that by faith. If you're going to follow the light, you must deny yourself. Deny the darkness. As you do that, you become mature. Hebrews 5.13, for everyone who partakes only in milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. He is an infant, but solid food, that is food full of light, is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern both good and evil. Practice. You've read the light. You're thinking about the light. You're practicing the light because you love the light. Love the light, meditate on the light, choose the light, practice the light. My coach used to say, it is not practice that makes perfect, it is perfect practice that makes perfect. So you take with you a perfect plan and you practice it. One reason we shine our light then is simply so that we might not trip over the darkness. We would discern between good and evil. And yet, as we shine that light, you will notice another action of the light. It exposes. This is our fourth heading. Light exposes evil. Paul writes, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret in the darkness. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. As you discern, as you walk with the scriptures, your life is going to look much different. Your light is shining. You're speaking the words of truth. You're combating the lies. This exposes. And yet we must be careful because in an age filled with social media warriors, it is important to think through this idea of exposing the darkness. What did Paul have in mind for the believer here? What is it that he's commanding? Did he imagine a situation where we would all sit in our dark basements and start our YouTube channels so that we might expose other Christians who we've never met and who we don't know? Is this the idea that we would expose those that we disagree with, build up our own platforms, make a name for ourselves in this way? A little gossip, is that the kind of exposure he has in mind? The question we should be asking when we expose, and we should expose, is why are we doing it? Why are we shining the light? Are we like children who once being given a flashlight decides to go around and shine it in everybody's eyes so that you say, turn it off? Take that away. You don't know how to use it. Or are we like a father who uses the light to guide his children, who uses the light to show his children where they are straying? Why does he do this? Because he loves them. He loves them. Sometimes I wonder, are you just shining that light to try to make yourself look good? Just to drive one that you think is in the darkness further away from your light? You see, as Christians, we don't shine our light in order to laugh at those in the darkness. We don't shine our light 
just simply so that we might win an argument or gloat over them? No. We shine the light because we love them. And we're trying to expose what they keep tripping on. Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. They don't see it. As you come around them and your life looks much different, perhaps they would see it. As you open up God's word and you expose what they don't see, perhaps they would see it. If you picture an unbeliever as stumbling around in a dark cave, the question is this, are you shining the light in such a way that drives them further into that dark cave or that shows them there's a way out? And that way is much better, infinitely better. We shine the light then, we expose because we love. Which means there's a different way to do it than many are doing it these days. You might put it this way. As we've moved on to verses 11 through 13 in chapter 5, don't forget to take with you verse 10. As you shine your light, try to discern what is most pleasing to the Lord. God sees, he's given you that light, use it as he directs. There's many scriptures that speak to this. A couple, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, Peter says, Have no fear of them, that is of those in the darkness, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. How? Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you. The person who's able to do that is constantly trying to discern what is most pleasing to the Lord. They have the light of the word in them at all times, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, and it will happen, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. If you're shining the light just to laugh at someone, are you respecting them? Absolutely not. If you're just making a joke out of it, absolutely not. And when that slander comes back at you, do you then shine the light as a way to get back at them? No, you see that as an opportunity. Perhaps as they do that, they begin to see the difference all the more clearly. Those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Put to shame is an opportunity because they're not ashamed in the moment. Or consider Paul's words to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents. How? With gentleness. Why? God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, to light. They may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. All that to say there is a way to shine the light. We must do it in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. When an unbeliever invites you to participate in their sin, you flip it, you see it as an invitation to say and explain why you cannot participate and then to boldly and passionately and kindly and gently and lovingly extend to them an infinitely better invitation 
to the light. Now, you are in the darkness, brother, but would you like an invitation to the kingdom of light? Let me show you how the Lord has saved me from darkness to light. It is shameful, Paul says, even to speak of the things that they do in secret. They're in secret because they're in the darkness. It's shameful. You don't proclaim those things. You go into the darkness to do these things. It's shameful to speak of it. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. What was done in secret is now exposed. And this is because the gospel exposes. And when it does, our true state becomes visible. Suddenly there is an awareness that you are in the darkness, which means you are like one of Ephesians 5, 6, where God's wrath rests upon you. And in that moment, you have a very important opportunity. There's another action, a fifth action, and that is light saves sinners. It saves sinners, verse 14. Anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Don't go further into the darkness. Don't be ashamed in such a way that you'd be driven to more secrecy and more darkness. No, no, no. Run to the light. Embrace the exposure. This is who you are, but guess what? Christ will embrace you. He forgives. This is obviously a quotation of some kind. Perhaps a very loose quotation of Isaiah 61. If so, it is very loose. Or perhaps, as some have suggested, a baptismal hymn. Which I think is beautiful. You baptize someone in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. As they come up, therefore awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Walk forward in the light. The God who long ago caused the light to shine out of darkness, created the sun, has sent his sun to shine in the darkness that has fallen on the world so that we might wake up and see the light for what it is and now walk in the light all the way to the kingdom of the light. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God has said, light shall shine out of darkness. He is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. When Christ came, light shone out of the darkness. When the Holy Spirit comes, shines in your heart, all of a sudden light is now shining in the darkness. Christ has exalted himself and gone up, ascended to the right hand of the Father, but his light is still shining in each one of us. And the reason he has not come back for us is because the Father is patient, not enduring or not wishing for anyone to go into outer darkness forever, but for all to come to a knowledge of the Son, a saving knowledge of the Son of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of the light. How will they know this? Because you are a city set on a hill, meant to shine. Shining means speaking the word of God and allowing the word of God to do its great work, offering them an invitation to the Son. 
If they refuse that, they will go into deeper darkness. One day, eternal darkness. All of eternity. But if they come to the light, they will be qualified to share in the inheritance of the light forever. The sun will go out, but the light of the kingdom will never go out. Revelation 21, 22 will end with this, and I saw no sanctuary in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its sanctuary. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb, and the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. This is our inheritance, the inheritance of everyone who has been qualified because of the death and resurrection of the Son to share in His light forever. Pray with me, Father, fill our hearts with great thanks. For the light that now shines in us is not a result of anything that we have done. We have not qualified ourselves, you have qualified us. And Father, remind us, especially this week as we sit around our Thanksgiving tables with lost family members and friends, as we speak to neighbors, remind us, Father, that we are your ambassadors, ambassadors of light. We, Father, wish not only to glorify you ourselves, but also to share with others the very message that would allow them to turn and glorify you as well. Father, help us not to be lax in this great mission. Give us opportunity and help us to take advantage of that opportunity. And Lord, today we ask that you would fill our hearts with thanksgiving and praise, with humble gratitude, understanding that we have a song to sing, and that is a song of thanksgiving. We thank you, Father. We pray this in your son's great name. Amen.